0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 East Village. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at c3ev.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 East Village. For the, just waking you up, um, for the, we, we pre program that every 10 minutes or so, so just get um, ready. But uh, in Inglewood at the Alexandria Center, last year we had over 110 people come on out from the community. We were able to put on a food, have an amazing service. We saw over six people uh, meet Jesus for the first time and give their life to the Lord. Uh, Many of you guys could have, maybe not many, but some of you I know is your, your first night where you really said, This is this is the place for me. And so you'll be finding more out about that, but that is Saturday the 20th of April. Uh, the date's on the back. Grab a couple of these invites. The whole purpose is, of course, to get together as family and as friends, but to bring people to and let them hear about Easter and see community and give them the food and celebrate the amazing time of year that Easter is. Um and the same with our dinner parties, actually, it's cool. Uh, Jeremiah was saying ours was, ours was full up. That's uh, Brittany and I are hosting one this week. But uh, we invited our neighbors along, and they're going to be coming along. So our, our dinner parties aren't just for, for us here, but it's actually for our friends and our family and to be inviting people too. So, so if there's any spots left, make sure you sign up. And if you've got a friend who you're going to drag along, I mean bring along, invite along, then write their name down too. And uh, it's because, you know, and same with our after parties. Everything, we want to be a place where you can bring your friends and um, and come along. And I also wanted to let you know before we jump into the message I'm so excited to bring tonight is we're the end of this month, so not this next Sunday, but the last one, which is the 31st, we are having a communion service communion and worship yeah people are pumped it's good so it's going to be amazing it'll look a little bit different to our normal service it'll be the the same time and, and same vibe and everything of course but we'll be taking communion together and having a moment to worship and reflect and uh and owen is actually helping us with that and how it's going to look and it's um this is our first one so you know it's going to be an exciting time to come together and take communion it's going to be a really powerful time and i actually believe that in those moment as we come together and you know we break bread together and we drink the little juice um, and other things, and, and the worship, and uh, that people's lives will be changed, actually. And, and that's a moment where uh, sometimes we think of it, and we're talking about religion, getting beyond religion tonight. We can think of it as just a token religious act, but this is actually a chance where people can encounter Jesus, where you can receive healing, where you can receive, receive breakthrough, where you can have a breakthrough in that relationship that you've been struggling with, as we remember the forgiveness that we have received and, and what Jesus did for us. So it's going to be amazingly powerful service on the 31st, and it's going to be and look awesome, and we're I know we're all flexible, and um, we're not going to come in with any, too many preconceived ideas of what it should look like, because being in this venue, being our first one, it's a little bit different. So who's excited for that? Good. I am too. We're, this is the third part of our Beyond series, and tonight we're looking at beyond religion. So this has been uh, a time where we've been looking at things that hold us back or try to imprison us from actually stepping into the life God wants for us to have. And so we've looked at, um, we've looked at fear so far. What is one of them? Can anyone remember the other one? Disappointment. Disappointment. Good. I'm glad you remember, Janae, because I'd forgot, even though I preached it. But, <laughs> and, and these are things that can imprison us and hold us back. And, and I've heard some great stories of people getting breakthrough in those areas. And tonight, we're going to look at religion. My working title was also tradition. It was also works. It was also legalism. So I settled on religion, and we're going to break down what that looks at, uh, looks like a bit tonight. And I believe we're going to uh, see, yeah, some great freedom tonight in this area as we come together. And more than just hearing a message, we've been worshiping, connecting together, but the Holy Spirit's been moving, and he's speaking to our hearts. So um, the three, so the title, I guess, of the, of the message is Living Beyond Religion or Getting Beyond Religion. I always give you a choice here. It's an amazing thing. Living or getting beyond religion. So, the three things I want to look at, and we're going to, I'm going to give you the premise first, and then we're going to get into it more. Tonight, we're going to look at tradition, religion, and relationship, and the differences between these. So, tradition can be, this is my premise, and, and then I'll, I'll jump into the Word of God to look at that. Tradition can be something that imprisons us if not founded in the right place. Or it can be something that brings us closer to Jesus, a tradition. Okay, religion or false religion will imprison us. But relationship with Christ will set us free. That's what we're looking at tonight. So um, so we're just going to jump into it here. But I'm going to give a, a little bit of a, a working definition, and then we're going to go into the Word. So let's look at traditions. We all have traditions. Who has some traditions in, the, in their life, in their world? Yeah, lots of us do. We have traditions around whether it's maybe family events or Christmas time, certain traditions. Um, you know, uh, maybe pizza night. Maybe you have a particular night that is pizza night. Maybe it's multiple nights for you. I don't know. Um, you, we have traditions here as a community. That five-minute break that we we have every week, that's a tradition. We took it away a couple weeks ago, and and some of you guys just couldn't handle it. You were freaking out. Where's our five-minute break? We need that coffee. We need that scone. That's a tradition. We all have traditions in our world. Some of them are awesome. Some of them can be really, really good. But when a tradition becomes a tradition just for the sake of a tradition, that's where it can lose its power. That's where it can actually imprison us. Um, And so I want to look at that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I said, it can be a great thing. The Bible actually has a lot to say about tradition. And uh, I guess before jumping into this message, this this is this getting beyond religion is is a really something really close to my heart and something I'm really passionate about. At Bible College, um, you know, for those who don't know, my wife and I before we were wife and I when we were, <laughs> didn't know each other. We actually met at Bible College in Sydney, Australia, where we studied there at the C3. Uh, Oxford Falls Leadership College for a couple years. But I remember on one of the last days of college, at the end of our course, after we'd taken all this theology, taken all these amazing leadership courses and all the things that that come with that, um, one of the classes was the point of it now became about, okay, so what are you going to do with all this? What's the big thing that God's calling you into? Not the task or the job, but what's the actual driving force? What's going to drive what you're going to do for the rest of your life? And we all have one or two or three things, regardless of what job we do or what we end up finding ourselves in, that is actually a driving force or passion in our, in our lives, something that we want to impart into the, into the world. I'd encourage you to explore that. But so during this class, we would pray and, and seek God and, and just take time, spending time going, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do with this? And, um, you know, so some people got up and we were studying in the worship stream and, you know, they, they wanted to break down the, the walls between um, church, church, arts in the church and the marketplace and all these kinds of things. And it was so awesome. We celebrated and got to pray with with students. And I was really struggling, struggling, figuring out, okay, God, what's what's my thing? What's the, what, what am I passionate about? I have different passions. But in that moment, um, the first thing that came to me, of course, was um, seeing the lost meet Jesus, seeing people who don't know Jesus yet meet Jesus. That's my biggest passion. That's my driving force. As a church, that's what we believe. It's introducing people to Jesus to Christ. That's my biggest passion. But what also come out in that process for me was, um, so A, it was people meeting Jesus for the first time. And then close to that, my next biggest passion is freeing people from religious, religious chains. Freeing people from religious chains. This is one of, this is so important. This is one of the biggest things that can imprison us and hold us back. And and the crazy thing is, or the, the funny thing is, or the whatever now after 12 years since then of college, I have found that first thing of introducing people to Jesus so easy compared to freeing people from religion. It's the toughest thing. It's nearly impossible. It is impossible in our own strength, except the Holy Spirit can come in and free us from our religious chains. But this is so important and so something I'm passionate about, so... Let's uh, jump into that. So traditions, like I said, we all have them. They're in the Bible. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions you were taught. So we're actually encouraged in the Bible to hold traditions sometimes. You guys thought this was going to be an anti-tradition thing. No. Um, It goes on in in chapter 3, verse 6. But we command you. So now it's a command. Paul's commanding them. Brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother. So you actually exclude yourself from the brother's who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he achieved from us. Okay, I'm just laying out a little bit of history of traditions here in the, in the Bible. Um, Jesus even observed traditions. Jesus had traditions in his life. So some of you traditional people are stoked right now. Jesus, he had a family tradition of his family would, uh, when they were a baby, bring them up to the temple. All right, we see that happen. Uh, Jesus had a tradition, in, and we see in Chapter 4, verse 16 of the book of Luke, it says about Jesus. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, or as his tradition was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So Jesus went to church. It's a good thing. That's a good reason why we should come to church and go to church. Jesus went to church. He had these traditions in his, in his life. But the problem comes when a tradition actually becomes more important than the reason the tradition was set up in the first place. Does that make sense? So we set up these traditions as a, as a family. We're going to meet in this place this time every year to get together as a family. That could be a good tradition. But then when that very tradition, as the years go on and um, people grow in different parts of the world and all this kind of stuff, when that tradition actually causes more fighting and um, disunity in the family, it actually begins to defeat its purpose of the tradition. Does that make sense? So this is the same with our, our walk with God, the traditions that we set up. Um, For this of, you know, just when they become more important than intimacy with God. Um, So the question I'd ask you about those traditions that you're setting up is, do the traditions that you have still achieve the reason they were there in the first place? And I want to look at Isaiah um, chapter 1 here. uh, Isaiah's prophesying. And, you know, this is a lengthy passage, and in the context, he's speaking to a people in a nation who is uh, going through the motions, but they're actually doing a lot of evil and harm and and stuff at the same time. But we see this, this heart of God is for us not to be traditional for the sake of tradition, but the traditions are for intimacy and relationship with him. So we'll start at chapter 1, verse 10. It says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah, the multitudes of your sacrifices... "'What are they to me?' says the an Lord. "'I have more than enough of burnt offerings or rams "'and the fat of fattened animals. "'I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats. "'Who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? "'Stop bringing meaningless offerings. "'Your incense is detestable to me. "'New moons, Sabbaths, and, and convocations. "'I cannot bear your worthless assemblies.'" You're here to be encouraged tonight, Right? I, 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 where am I? Verse fourteen. Your new moon feast, your appointed first, I hate them with all my being. I hate them with all my being. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. This is the good news. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Wow, okay. So this is stuff that God actually set up in the Old Testament. Because it's funny that he he asks, who has asked this of you? Well, he did, right? He set up the law. He set up the traditions, these sacrifices and things. But the heart of the Bible and of God has always been that these traditions, these laws, these customs of the Israelites would point them to God. It wouldn't be just checking a box. It wouldn't just be an external action without an internal conviction, but it would actually bring us closer to God. So I share that scripture to, you know, it's a slightly, the context there is quite crazy what's going on in Judah at the time, in Israel, but but the heart of God comes through that he's not just interested in the actions and checking the box, he's interested in his people, in intimacy with his people. He's not into tradition for tradition's sake. The festivals, the traditions, the things that um, are laid out in the law could actually be externally done, and so done exactly how they were meant to be, without God being into them, because the heart of it, behind it, was not sincere in seeking him, this blows my mind. This is a big thing, and so let's not fall into the trap of thinking tradition or religion or, or whatever it is. Well, that's a, a far off. That's a, a you know a more traditional style of church, or that's a different religion. Actually, tradition for tradition's sake and religion looks a lot like a guy in skinny jeans with white shoes on and a moustache at the moment. It looks a lot like. What happens in this room? It looks a lot like 21st century Christianity. We can be so guilty of doing this. No matter how trendy or cool you are or how out of the box you are, we can fall into tradition for tradition's sake and religion when God wants relationship. So Mark 7, let's jump over to see what's going on here um, with Jesus and the Pharisees. So Mark 7, chapter 1. And so the Pharisees, um, the religious people of the time, they were uh, the teachers and the people who were abiding by the laws um, that had been set in the Old Testament. But what's going on is it's actually shifted, like I said, from being something practiced when God established it to point Israel towards God. And they'd started to add in different customs and traditions that I, at the time, I'm sure, just like we add in traditions to our own life, we're meant with the best of things. We want to get closer to God. But what's happened is that they actually added more to the Word of God and more to the tradition. And it's built up and it's built up. And they're starting to focus more on the action or the, uh, the ritual than, than, than God. And so we see that this here. So in chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 of Mark, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, And some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Uh, It says, The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So they have these traditions they're building up. Um, and it's, it's a good thing to wash your hands before you eat, right? Like, that's a great thing. Good. I'm glad you said that. But what's the motive? So, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition? Why don't you, I, I don't get it, Jesus. Why don't they live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with their defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Hmm. Then, then he says, you have let go of the commands of God, the law of God, and are holding on to human traditions. So for the Pharisees here, the religious crowd of the day had become more about the act, the ceremonial act or the tradition of doing something or checking the box than it did about the purpose of it, of getting closer to God. So these guys, let's paint a picture here. Just prior to this in chapter 6, the end of chapter 6, there is celebration taking place because there's been healings, there's been restoration. Jesus has been performing miracles all around the place. And, and there's a party going on. There's a celebration. And then they're sitting down to eat some food. And it becomes more about the tradition than jumping in and saying, Hey, Jesus, can we eat some food with you? Can we get to know you? Can we relate better? It becomes more about the act there. The commands of God and the, and the traditions that we're set up always need to point us to God. Or it trickles into religion which we're going to look at so do you have some traditions and this could even be traditional thinking maybe even ones that started off as a great thing that are actually stopping you from experiencing god it's a big question some of us many of us are picking tradition over jesus we're getting caught up on the the how it should look rather than the why and the what and the being with Jesus and i'm not just talking about in a church setting here i'm talking about in our day-to-day life as we go about just trying to figure out what this life is and where god would have us what are the traditions or are there traditions in your thinking your behavior and your actions that are more important than jesus shall we continue so I oh will. So, so that's tradition. It can be an amazing thing. In the Old Testament, I, I missed that, but one of the traditions began to actually set up a pillar or a pile of stones of where uh, God had visited somebody or done something or a great battle was won. So then, every time that they looked at those stones in that pillar, they'd be reminded of who their God was and where He'd brought them so far. And that's an amazing thing. We should have stones that we pile up in our life and and, um, days where we had a breakthrough with God that we can look back on as a tradition and go, oh, look what happened there. Yeah, that points me to God. But when it just becomes a pile of rocks to look at, that's when it loses its power. So religion, what is religion? So this gets confusing because depending if you were brought up in the church or what your ideas are in a different set of beliefs or your ideas about religion, that can be like, what are you talking about, Stephen? We, we are religious. Of course, we're religious. We, we're a part of a religion, Christi, Christianity, and kind of, but that's what the world's put on, that's the term given from the world to us. Oh, you're one of those religious people, if you're a Christian here. You know, I had, when I first met Jesus about age 13, 14, I, I remember one of my friends saying to me, um, oh, so you've found religion now? And I was like, oh, no, no, I found God. I haven't found anything about religion. What's this religion stuff? Now, in hindsight, I wish I said God found me, because that's actually what happened. I didn't find God. God found me. But that's the idea that people have. Oh, you've found religion. And so I want to define what I mean by religion, because I'm not talking about just a set of beliefs, like that would be one definition of religion. Um, The New Testament actually does speak of being religious and having a religion, but it's not the same way that we do. It's referenced about five times in the New Testament. But what... um, what James and the authors there in the Bible are talking about isn't what we've made religion to be. So religion um, says, in this context of what I'm saying, religion says, because of these traditions, because of these rules, because of these rituals, because of these behaviors that I perform, I am justified before God." So re- religion is our effort human's effort, my effort, your effort, mankind's effort to climb towards God. If I do these things, then I climb towards God. And, and I would suggest and I would say to us and I would urge us to study the Bible because Christianity isn't that. It's God's effort to come to us. Okay, so religion is our effort to climb to God. If I do these things, I get to you, God, and you approve of me. But Christianity actually says that God so loved us so much, and that Jesus so, that he wanted, so he wanted a relationship with us that he actually climbed down to us when we were running from him. Okay, that's what Christianity is. That's a relationship. That's not religion. So that's what I'm talking about when I say religion. It says, because of these external action, I am in God's good books. Because I did this formula correctly, I pass. Relationship with God is I'm saved by grace. Therefore, I engage with traditions and rituals and behaviors that point me closer to Jesus. Relationship with God says, I am in God's good books because of what Jesus did. Therefore, my external actions will reflect that. See how it's switched around a bit? It's not about doing something to get God's approval. It's about having God's approval, so therefore we get to do something. The formula... The only formula now for us is found in intimacy with God through Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. That's it. There's stuff that we do, but that's the formula. It's about intimacy with him. So we're going to look at, um, so that first story there that we looked at uh, of tradition was Jesus, actually a historical event that happened. And we see that in the New Testament. And then we see Jesus sharing parables. What a parable is, is he's telling a story to reflect the truth of God um, that he's, you know, he's using imagery. And so that's what we're going to jump in Is So we've looked at something that happened to Jesus around tradition, and now we're going to look at a, at a parable he's telling in regards to religious thinking. So in Luke chapter 18, if you've got your Bibles, taking notes, it's a good idea to bring your Bible to church, and you all have them because you've got your phones. So you guys have it lucky, but uh, it's great to be able to read along because in that way you're checking that I'm telling the truth. You should be doing that. You shouldn't just be relying on the preacher Um, always getting it right because, you know, I want you to be checking up on me and and looking into it and saying, does the Word of God actually say that? So um, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Okay, so he's speaking to a pretty religious crowd by that. But, I mean, I'm not having a shot at the Pharisees because truth be told, to be frank, most of us would have been Pharisees if we were alive in Jesus' day, right? Okay, like, I know we don't like, we like to act like the heroes in the Bible stories, but often we're not, and that's why we need Jesus. Um, but so Jesus is talking to the religious crowd. He's talking to the guys who are actually looking down on everyone else, which, take note of that. We'll come back to that. And so Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So this word, other, here actually comes um, from the word, the Greek word uh, heteros, which we get our hetero from, so meaning the exact opposite. Attract, like So, you know, uh, how would we use that? Uh, like if someone's uh, heterosexual in our society, they attracted to the opposite sex. So it's saying here, it's not just saying the other, it's actually saying the exact opposite went up to the temple. Room. So newsflash, sometimes English isn't the greatest language. Don't walk out, don't walk out. I know, but sometimes we need to look below the surface a little bit. It, it reveals something to us, but it's amazing when we actually uh, jump in and look at what it's some of these words that we get our translation to the best of our abilities from. So that word, the other a tax collector, or the exact opposite was a tax collector. So we have a Pharisee, a highly religious person here, looking down his nose upon other people, and we have the exact opposite, a tax collector. But a tax collector in this society and age, like, you know, even in our, our um, is there any tax collectors in the room, by the way? Okay. Even in our modern age and society, tax collectors can be used as, you know, frowned upon. The tax man, right? Um, depending if he was good to you this year or not, I guess. But, um you know the taxman but in this society particularly in, in the roman concept the rome would go in and take over places and the tax collectors so the people who would collect up the tax on behalf of the roman empire from the people were actually picked from amongst their own people So not only were they someone coming to get the money, they're actually a traitor to their own people because they were working for the Romans. But the Romans didn't accept them as fully Roman. They looked down upon them as well. So tax collector was not only rejected by the people they were working for, they're actually rejected by their own people as well. And it was a very lonely life and a very corrupt life. And when you get into that isolation, this is a different message, but this speaks about loneliness. Loneliness is a dark path to go down. Right, And so this guy would have been, this tax collector, Jesus speaking of, people would have thought of someone who was alone and, and, and getting up in, in a lifestyle that wasn't approved of and was ripping off his own people, but wasn't considered worthy of being a Roman citizen or anything like that. So the exact opposite, a Pharisee, high, highly religious, and a tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. That's a good start. It all goes downhill from here. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I gave a tenth of all I get. Chapter 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven, but he beats his breast, and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Verse 14, this is Jesus, he says, I tell, you, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So I'm going to break this down a little bit and, and look at how this can reveal to us if there is some religious ideas or thinking or stuff that we have that would be holding us back. And the beautiful thing is tonight, you can actually make a choice and step beyond those and step into the life that God would have you, rather than being held back like this man that Jesus describes by religion. Often we, I, I know I do, often we think walking out of a Christian life, like I said, is about our actions getting us closer to God, that our actions will bring us closer to God. Um, but it's actually out of closeness to God our actions need to flow. So we're going to look at four markers of being bound by religion in this last 10 minutes before we finish with some worship and pray for those who we want to shake and break those religious chains tonight. So four markers of being bound by religion. Number one is comparison and looking down on people. Okay, so we see the guy here. He comes in, the Pharisee, the religious guy. And he stands off um, to himself. And this isn't because he's shy. Actually, uh, in the context and the the imagery of of the the language the Bible uses there, it's because he thinks he's better than everybody else. They're not worthy for him to stand with them. And he says, God, I thank you I'm not like other people. You know, one of the markers of us having religion in our thoughts, in our mind, in our hearts, and in our spirit is comparison and pointing the finger to other people. Maybe even tonight we're thinking, oh man, I need to bring my uncle to church. He's so religious. He needs to hear about this. That's pretty religious thinking, might I say. This is us. This is for us. This is for me. We all have religion that we need to get rid of. Point to yourself and say, this is for for me. Yeah, me too. This is for me. But Often if we're thinking or acting out of religion rather than relationship with God, we'll point the fingers at others or we'll compare ourselves to others. So he says here, like I said, um, I'm not like anybody else. And basically what he's saying is I'm better than anyone else. But we do this as well, right? Like we compare ourselves to people and say, well, oh God, I might not be doing good, but I'm doing better. than not about other people. And so if you're slipping into thinking where you compare to other people, or you point the finger at them, then this is a religious idea we need to break. Well, I'm doing, and this is the things that we'll say if we we have this. So these are markers, remember, that we might be operating out of religion. Well, I'm doing better than that person. We'll say things like that. We'll say, someone like that could never be close to God. Or we'll say something like, or we might say it, we'll think something like, people like me do not mix with people like that. I'm a good person. I'm a Christian. This is religion. This is not what God wants for us. It's not what he has for us. That's comparison and looking down on people is a marker of being bound by religion. The second thing is a reliance on traditions, rituals, laws, behaviors for justification. So here, um, the Pharisee that Jesus is describing says, what are the two things that he says that he's done? I'm not like other people. So he says that. He compares. He belittles someone else, which we're not to do but we all fall into the habit of doing. Um, and then he says, I, I've fasted twice a week, and I've tired of everything I have. He's relying on some actions, some things to justify. He's actually justifying himself with his actions, right? And so it's interesting in the, um, Jesus is using an extreme to make an example here, but many people were doing this because at the time under Old Testament law, you were only required to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. Um, but he's saying he's fasting twice a week because, God, you've said once, you said I only have to do it once. Your word said I'll do it once, but I'm going to add something to that. I'm going to do it twice, and not twice a year. I'm going to do it twice a week. That will really justify me. And then, and he says, and I fast on everything I, and I tithe on everything I own. And so I can just get a picture of this Pharisee. You know, he'll tithe on his paycheck, which, hey, we know that's a good thing to do. I'd encourage us all to do that. And then, and then he would get home, and um, he'd say, "Oh, we haven't we haven't typed enough." And so, okay, I'm gonna. Uh, I know we typed on the the house last year, but we're gonna type on this again, and uh, say to his wife, "You know, I know you're already typed, but you should type on that again." Everything, you know, it was all about the type because it came about an action. And so he's like, "If I can tick enough boxes, then I'll be really justified before God." So this is a marker of religion that we're relying on tradition and behaviors for our justification. We can do this with church even. We can neglect God all week, not have a relationship with Him. But we think by coming to church, which is a good thing, an essential thing, I believe. I actually believe one of the most important spiritual disciplines is gathering weekly or as, as much as you can with other believers. So hear me right on this, okay? I'm not saying everybody get up and leave and don't come back. But I'm saying an indication that we're functioning out of religion is we will rely on the act of going to church to justify us and to be our relationship with God. Um, you know, but at what point then does it become enough, right? If, if we're treating it like, let's break this example down to its logical conclusion. If, if coming to church was the act that was checking our box, then is it when you get in the car park and you pull in, is that when you check the box? Or is it when you get your first scone and coffee at the thing there? Or is it when you get first through the first three songs? Is that when we get to check the box? At what point does the action actually justify us? That's the logical conclusion, of relying on a tradition or a behavior to justify us before God. It's probably, if that was the case, it probably, like, by the time you got through 25 minutes of this is crazy Australian speaking, you'll probably get a big tick. You'll probably get a check if that was the case. I've found that a genuine and sincere relationship with God actually leads me to showing up more than I would beforehand. It actually leads me to engaging more in the worship than I ever would if I was relying on it, because it comes out of a place of being accepted and justified before God. That's what I've found in my own life. So that second mark is that you're relying on a tradition, a ritual, or behavior for your justification rather than Jesus. The third marker, speeding the process up here, um, is doing the right moves but not engaging. So the guy here did the right thing. He turned up to, to the temple to pray. That's a good thing. He, um, he did his fasting, and tithing. Like I said, he was praying. That's a good thing. Doing the right things, but it wasn't actually moving him. You know, that, the language around, the, or the, sorry, the symbol of the tax collector actually beating his chest. In the culture at the time, that was talked about a, a crushing before God, a surrender to God, an emotional move that would happen when you would come into the presence of an almighty God that would actually move him to make changes and shifts and moves in his life. And the other guy stood there and said, because I've done this, because I'm here, because I'm better than everyone else, it was very dry, it was very clinical, it was very rigid. Where, where, so where the tax collector come in and was actually moved, he couldn't even lift his eyes to God. He was moved by the presence of God. But religion would say, well, I'm doing the right moves, so that's all that matters. When's the last time you were engaged in worship and moved to just surrender to God and say, I don't even care what's going on around me. I don't care if the speakers are working or not. I don't care if the person next to me thinks I'm cool or not. I'm just going to surrender and worship God. When's the last time that in our quiet time at home where we opened our Bible up, it wasn't just something that we read through and got done, but it was something where we had to stop and just go, wow. We just go, wow, God. And we couldn't even get through the page because of the tears dropping down on the page or because of the presence of God that comes in. When was the last time that you were moved because God has placed you in this city Not just to attend a church and to go about your life, but actually to make a difference. Relationship with God moves us to be engaged with what he's doing in the city and this place. But religion would just more be about the external rather than the engagement. You know, you can be an attender of Christianity, an attender of church, or you can be an engager. Someone who engages with what's going on. So you can be an attender who just shows up, gets what done, and leave your relationship with God. Well, I did what I needed to do, or you can engage with it. And friends, I urge and encourage you, wherever you're at at the moment, be someone who engages with your relationship with God. Beyond a Sunday night, beyond listening to Shine FM on the way to work, which is a beautiful thing and an awesome thing, but engage with God. He, if the Bible is true, if what we believe, what we say we believe is true, it changes everything for us. It changes our priorities, it changes our securities, it changes where we place our trust in, it changes who we want speaking into our life, it changes how we approach a difficult circumstance. If what we say is real, and and I believe there's many people here who do that, it changes everything for us. It moves us into living a life that we wouldn't live if we were just living a religious dry life. Are we singing the worship song or are we becoming the song? Are we saying the prayers or are we becoming the prayer? It's about engaging. And the fourth thing, um, as we finish up, uh, Jesus says, after he's told this parable about the, the, um, the tax collector, the guy who was moved before God, even though outwardly he looked like someone who would be far from God, he was sincere. He says that this guy is actually um, the one who's justified before, before God. And he says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those Who humble themselves will be exalted. So the fourth mark of religion having a hold of us is we exalt ourselves. The Pharisee says, "Here I am, God, look at me, I'm great." He exalts himself because I've done this. I'm exalting myself. He didn't wouldn't stand with people because he um because he exalted himself higher than anyone else. But the tax collector says, "God, I don't even deserve to be here, but for your grace." And but for your mercy, I'm here. If we are bound by religion, we will put ourselves or others on a pedestal. I don't know, does anyone else ever see this in in modern Christianity? We tend to have a tendency to put people on a pedestal. So the preacher that we like, the worship leaders that we like, the churches that are cool, that look awesome. um, You know, we put them on an unhealthy pedestal that God never intended for them to be. Now, we should honor these things, right? Honor is different to putting something on a pedestal. We exalt things higher than they should be, or we try to put ourselves on a pedestal. Has anyone else ever done that to to God or to others around them? We try to use our knowledge. We try to use our um, relationship with God to, to exalt us above other people that we're talking to. Well, if you only had read as many... Bible passages I have read, you would know that like we act our superior. That's not the heart of God. That's not C3EV. And that's not what Jesus is saying to do here. He's saying that that those who humble themselves will be exalted. So that fourth mark is that we exalt ourselves. You know, I love what Timothy Keller says about religion. He says many great things about it. He has a Timothy Keller is an author and a speaker, a pastor. And I think he has one of the greatest revelations on uh, religion, relationship and tradition, because in many ways he participate and, and is in a style of church that would do a lot more traditional things than we do. But the entire purpose about these traditions. So like I said, it's not about the tradition because some of the most traditional people who are doing these things with the right motives are so intimate with God and experiencing Him in their life, way more than us who, we're just not traditional, man, so we just go with the Holy Spirit. Uh-uh, that's not how it works. Traditions can be a great thing. So, but he says many great things, but he says this about religion in, in summary. He says, religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. Christianity says, I am accepted, therefore I obey. Okay, so religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. Christianity says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. This is so true. We gotta get that right. The three things in closing that, how we break three of this, and I'm gonna pray for anybody that this might resonate with, this will be super quick. And this isn't meant to be a cynical message. This is actually a hopeful message, because in an instant we can break free from any religious mindset we have. We can change our behaviors through a process of putting in the effort and work and stepping out of religion into relationship with God. So this is hopeful. I hope you're leaving feeling encouraged and hopeful tonight. But three ways that we can break out of religious tendencies in our life is firstly, an awareness. Sometimes half the battle is that we're aware that we have these thoughts, right? So. Religion, what religion can do is actually develop blind spots. And then we say to ourselves, well, I don't see any blind spots. Exactly. You're making my point. It's a blind spot. We don't see them. But we all have blind spots. I have blind spots. I know I I have them, but I need God to reveal what they are. So that's what we do. An awareness of our religious blind spots. We say, God, I'm blind to these spots. Help me. Reveal them to me. Or if you have a trusted, mature believer, a friend, You could even maybe sit down with them. I've done this, it's super confronting, but it's one of the most amazing things you could do. You could give them a bit of paper and say, I want you to write down all the things about me that you've wanted to say to me, but never had. And I'm gonna take that bit of paper and pray about it. And we're not gonna talk about it afterwards. We're not gonna, it's not gonna be a back and forth, but I'm giving you full permission to speak into my world and reveal to me any of the blind spots that I have. Tough, confronting thing to do. Many of us won't do it, if we do, I promise you that'll be one of the most profitable things you'll do in your world. And as long as it's a mature believer that you can trust. Okay, so awareness is how we break through. But then that needs to lead us to repentance. The song that we're going to sing talks about leading us to re- repentance. We need to repent of these. Repent isn't just God, forgive me. It's God, thank you for your forgiveness and I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to turn 180 away from that. I'm going to take a different path. I'm not going to act on those religious impulses anymore. And then the third thing we need to do to break free of religious um, chains that would hold us is pursue God for who He is, not what He can do. Okay, so if it becomes about what He can do, the benefits of God, that's a religious thing, right? Because we come to Him to go, okay, God, because of my healing, because of my job, you're gonna give me because of the blessing, this is what I'm gonna, and that turns very quickly into religion. But when we come to God to be intimate with Him, because He's our Father, He's our God who loves us, who created us, who actually wired you. Those quirks you have, those things that you think are a bit weird and separate you from other people, God actually created you with them for a reason and a purpose. You are not an accident here tonight, friends. You have a purpose, but religion will try and tell you you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain thing before you can come to God. God just wants to be intimate with you. I love what Jeremiah prayed about. Sometimes we just need to be still, and remember who God is. It's not about religion. We can break beyond that tonight. So as we finish, can you stand with me in this place? We're going to go into this chorus a couple times um, and uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we're going to go into worship. Um, and it's not going to be a crazy altar time or anything. If you want to come down to the altar as a sign of surrender to God, this is that space down the front that we have where you can just surrender to Jesus and You know, sometimes, like I I often say, it's a physical act, causes a spiritual reaction. And if you want to say, God, today I'm breaking free of anything religious that would hold me back, maybe that's for you, but I'm going to pray. But if you know you have some religious tendencies, you compare, you point the finger, um, you just check a box, and you want to break free from that tonight and step back into a relationship with God, why don't you just do something right now? Why why don't you, with all eyes closed, why don't you put your hands out in front of you? Why don't you raise your hand up just as an act of surrender to God that, hey, I'm not going to let Religion rule my life. I'm going to have a relationship with you. Awesome. There's so many people here. And tonight, there's going to be a freedom take place in this moment as we worship. So I'm just so thankful that God's uh, put on your heart, but then that you've taken the step of, of responding to that. And in that very moment, and in this very moment, I believe God's breaking religious chains in this place. So Lord, I thank you, God, that you've created us um, not to be religious, but to be in relationship with you, Lord God. It's not about what we do It's about who you are. So I thank you, God, for those spots, those places, those things that you're revealing to each person here, including myself. I thank you tonight, right now, in this moment, we we drop religious chains and we step up and we pick up, Lord God, uh, the cross. And we say, because of you, Jesus, because of you, not because of what I do, not because I'm special, not because of anything other than you, God. And we drop religion. We pick up relationship right now. Anything that would bind us in this place, in this moment of worship, I thank you. You would reveal that to us. We can leave it here tonight. We can step into a new level of freedom, a new level of intimacy, a new level of relationship with you this week. We pray that in the name of Jesus, that you came to set the captives free. And we're captives here tonight, but we're leaving free in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, team. Let's lead us in this chorus. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at c3ev.ca. See you next week.